but I understand now. I do understand. I can't have money. I can't. It's it's easier not to have money than to have money. Paul, um, you said. By the way, I just want to say that the documentaries you made, I thought they're really moving and honest. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed watching them. Um, I kind of did them as my research, but I feel like you showed us a lot of who you are. Yeah. On those, you said on one of them, gambling's the killer and it ain't going away, which really hit me. Yeah. So have you accepted that this is who you are? Yeah, surrendered. Yeah, I accepted, you know, acceptance is like, you know, I know I've got an illness now. I just used to feel I was a bad person, always trying to be good, you know, lose all our money, you know, and, and, and really beat myself up majorly about it, you know, like, you know, you horrible man, you know, how dare, how could you lose all the money? You know what you're doing. But I know now I am an ill person. I have a choice today. I didn't have a choice before. I know today I'm an ill person. Before I didn't know, I just thought I was not a nice person, always trying to be, be good. Now I know if I have a bet, it's, it's not ending till it ends with naught. You know, I wasn't a gambler, compulsive gambler, not someone who, who has a lorry load of money and then they'll take it out and go, you know what? I'll go and buy. Like it, it, it hurt me to go and buy a pair of trainers for a hundred pound, but I could easily put ten thousand pound on something. Wow, that's that's how it gets you. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. gets you like that. It's like, well, why don't I don't need the trainers? Do you know what I mean? I need right. the bet, but I don't need the trainers. Wow, and that and that's what it was like. You know, I know mates who gamble, who win, and they go bang, take it out, go and buy a golf club or a set of golf clubs. I never, ever, ever took money out and spent it on me, ever. Fuck. Ever. So when you say um, you know you have an illness, was there a moment where you got that realisation where you're not a bad person, you got an illness? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, when, then, then I start looking back and tracking back. And then we had the mind thing when I went into the MRI scan and how the brain... You know, you've got to remember... People listen to us who are compulsive gamblers who don't know they're compulsive gamblers. When you're winning, you can't sleep. You just you if you if you had a bet if you had a bet before you went to bed, it'd be probably the equivalent of having sixty red balls and fifty black coffees. It's impossible to get asleep because you're like your brain is just so overactive. It's 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 hor it's it's horrible. You know, I've been 48 hours, 20, easy 24s and 48 hours just through, the, through just gambling, Shit. just constant. Because the brain is so, you just don't get tired. But the, the, the thing with gambling, and I said the worst is it's, it's from here to there so quickly. You, you drink or take drugs, you have a drink, you come off, or the drugs, you sort of come down like that. With the gambling, you're up here, you're up here, everything's great, you're winning, you're winning, and it's all gone. And literally like that, and you're like, it's gone, where's it gone? Because there's no rationale, when there's no, you know, I, there's no like, oh, I've got to pay that, so I won't lose that, or I've got to pay that. It's, it's hard to explain, but the, it's like you're a six-year-old, you don't understand. You know, I've got to pay my mortgage, or I've got to pay the rent, but it doesn't register. It's so, really horrible. So you, if you had a choice between mortgage and gambling, you'd gamble, would you? If I was in the depths of gambling. Yeah. You know, if I weren't gambling now, no chance. You no. know what I mean? Rent paid, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. But yeah, when you're in the depths of gambling, yeah, no chance. Wow. No chance. And I mean, and and that that's that's where it's just the rationale goes out the window. Yeah. It's always more, you know, it's the excitement of the bet. The winning just prolongs it. It's not like, oh, I've won, I can go and buy a Bentley, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's like, I've won, so I'm still in the game. I'm still, I can still keep on doing something that... So basically there's no end point. There's no end point. The, the only end point is zero. Zero, that is it. You know, and when that, and when that happens, and, I, and people might, people who listen to us who, who have a gambling problem or, or understand this, it gets to a stage where it's so overwhelming, the betting, that when you've lost everything, it's like a relief. Now, how crazy is that? Yeah. It's like, oh, fucking, I don't have to do that anymore. Oh, I wow. don't have to do that anymore now. I've got no money left. That's, I mean, how, how crazy does that sound if you're not a compulsive gambler? Yeah. You know, but it's, it takes you over so much that you just can't stop. 
So when you've lost everything, you've, you're like, oh, what a relief. You know, like when you do your breathing or something like that, and you just become, it's like a calmness comes over like you. Like you just go in the toilet. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that was a five-minute calmness. Yeah. It's like, whoa, I, seriously, I was, I was on the verge of like, <laughs> just wetting my pants and going home, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It was that bad. It was that bad. You called it a hideous disease. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, I, I would call it hideous because, I say hideous because with the drinking, you see the drinking, you see the devastation. The gambling's are quite, quite, you know, it only happens, you know, I know if I go out of here today and I have a drink, I don't know when I'm getting home. I seriously don't. If when I left the house in the afternoon or in the morning, lunchtime on a Sunday and my wife went, you're going down the pub, yeah, watch the live games and I'll be home. What, what time you be home? I'll be home at six. I swear I had all the intentions in the world of coming home at six. I never closed that door and thought, fuck it, I'm not coming home at six. Is she mad? I honestly didn't. But as soon as it got to six, it was impossible. It's impossible to put the drink down. And it's, it's seeable, I know. With the gambling, you don't, it's quick, it, it, it goes that quick from here to there that it's not as slow, if you know what I mean. So sometimes you do, sometimes you forget. You know, I have to, I've had to close all the doors. My wife looks after everything. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tenure, I have pocket money, if I have pocket money. Shit, you know, so, everything. so she yeah. manages all your money? Everything, Every. I do not have anything. You know, if I want, you know, I have a card, but that's the, but she knows the card, she'll see it on the bank statements. I buy petrol, and if I'm out, I buy food. But that is it, you know, she dictates everything. Which, when it first happened, you know, you're like, I'm 52, fuck. But I understand now, I do understand, I can't have money, I can't. It's, it's easier not to have money than to have money. Fuck. How does that make you feel? Yeah, all right, I mean, when it first started, I was like, how dare you, you know what I mean? It's like- oh, Was it driven by her or? Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, I mean, she's been through a lot. My wife's been through a lot. The, the problem is when you're, when you're a drinker and a gambler or a drug addict and, and you stop and people go, oh my God, doing amazing. Everybody forgets you dropped an hand grenade behind you. You know, the destruction is like no other. You know, my wife still today will always be on tender hooks with the gambling. Has she been with you through the whole journey? The, no, we, we, met about, we met about nine years ago. So we've got three kids together, but she's, she's seen some bad ones. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the one in lockdown a couple of years ago when I'd done all our deposit for a house, that was... Fuck. That was, that was, that was... That was that was, get on gambling? Yeah, that was the one. That was the one for me. That was yeah, probably the, the straw that broke the camel's back. But know. she stayed with you through it all? Yeah, she stayed. Her mum, her mum's dad was a gambler. Oh. So, it, her mum's dad, so... So do you think there's it was an attraction like, yeah, it was, So that. when she went to her mum, her mum would be like... He's not a bad person. He's not doing it. He doesn't dislike you. He's not. It's not a hatred towards you. It's, it's, it's an illness. It's him. It's not you. Because that's what people think. You know, you don't come home at night and you stay out drinking. You know, your wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or partner would always be thinking, they must hate me. They must hate me with a passion. Why wouldn't they come home? Or why would they lose all our money? And it's not. You hate yourself. You hate yourself with a passion. Mm. And that and that that was what it was like for me. It was it, it was something that I don't forget, but I know it's out there if I don't keep on doing what I do day at a time. So, do you think it's easier for for your wife to walk away or to stay? I think that would be her. Yeah. That would be her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if she gets me, it looks like Brad Pitt. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, no, sorry, you don't know. You know. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. No, you know what? They'll come up. It can't keep on that. She knows now that I know. She knows now I've got an illness. So if I go back now, you know, she'd have every right to, to go, you know what? I've had enough. Yeah. You know, you know, Paul, you know now. Right. Yeah. So she can see the switch from she, not being aware what it is to yeah, knowing to what be, it is. Yeah, to, yeah. You know, from the program, everything, to know that this is an illness and, you know, I know, I know I have a problem. That was the thing with being an alcoholic. You know, I alcoholic, I went like six years without a bet, without a, a drink, and I went back and drunk again. 
people think because you've stopped for six years and you go back, it'll be steady. It's like a hundred times worse because you know, you know, and that's the insanity. So when you're drinking and you know you shouldn't be drinking, it makes it a hundred times worse. Wow. So, you know I mean? so it's actually not that pleasurable an experience. It's not pleasurable. And, it's, and you literally start off from where you started from. Do you know uh, what I mean? It's not like you go, oh, I've been six years without a drink now. I'll come back and I'll probably just be able to sip a wine or have a, you know, a couple of beers. Yeah. You literally, it's like, it was like, it's like the follow on from the day you stop. Like, it's like that. You know, mm. it's, you know, it never gets better. And you called it a disease. I mean, like, yeah. that's almost like a cancer. Well, I, you know, it, it, you know, it's not like cancer because some cancers go away. This don't go away. This don't go away. I mean, I mean that's harsh, but you know, you 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 can be lucky enough to get cancer. I have melanoma, so and lucky enough it went away. But this ain't going away. It's day at a time. It's a day at a time. You know, more people commit suicide through gambling than any other addiction in the world. Wow. And what do you think is the worst or the hardest? The drugs, the drink, or the gambling? I would say the gambling, but it's been made it's been made easy for me if that makes sense. Because of the lack because of money supply. Because of everything that's lot, you know, because I'm Paul Merson. You know, oh. if I'm Jack the Builder, who's struggling with gambling, who stopped gambling, who ever think, you know, he's doing really well, and he comes home one day and he has a big argument with his girlfriend or his partner or whoever it may be, and he goes, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to have a bet. He can walk into any betting shop he wants in the country and have a bet. You know, me, I can't do that. So in a way, that's a, a it's a great thing you. for yeah. me. Oh, it was a gift for me, you yeah. know, so it's easier for me. But I would say it's the worst addiction. You know, I know drinking, I'm, I'm surprised. When, when I stopped drinking many years ago, when I went into treatment in, you know, in 93, 94, when it became a big story with the drugs, I stopped drinking. And you're like, I'm not going to drink because if I drink, everybody's going to know anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when I started drinking again, no one gave a flying. Really? You know I mean? Yeah, it was weird. No one ever come up to me and went, what are you doing, Paul? Yeah. No, you know what I mean? Do you no wish one. they had? Not really. It's just, not really. It was just, I would probably wouldn't have listened anyway. At the end yeah. of the day, it's my choice. You yeah. know, it was, you know, it weren't my choice at the time, but you don't really listen to people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, there's, there's a saying, you know, in, in recovery, is, is stick around the people that understand. Stick with, I don't like the word stick with winners because I don't, I think there's, there's a lot of winners out there that that are, that don't that do drink and gamble. If you know what I mean, yeah. you know I don't think you're just a winner because you stop drinking and gambling. So, but it's it's being around people that when I talk to someone about my problems, they're a nodding head and not a. That's yeah. that's not good. Yeah. So you know, being around people who've been in my position. Mm. You said that it's constantly in you and constantly yeah. waiting. So do you think this is something you were almost born with? I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's nurtured or natured. Yeah. Because I have this with football. I have this with football. I, I, you know, I thought I, 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 a part of my footballing ability, I personally thought it was, it was given. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, and I think that's the same with this. You know, I think, you know, people go, yeah, but if you didn't have the bet, well, you, you never know. But that doesn't mean you're not. Because there'd be people who never have a drink till they're 27, 30 or 40. Some people retire from from work and then cannot stop. They start to drink and they cannot stop. You know, so it's, you know, the saying is the first drink's too many and a hundred's not enough. Wow. And that that is it. As soon as the first one goes into my body, I just become completely powerless over and I, I know it's it's in me all the time. Mm. Why and when did you initially choose to speak out about it? Uh, so you got, yeah, that's no, going to go for it. <laughs> I'm thinking of you, it's not us. Uh, <laughs> why There's a deceptive when? angle on this. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. Really, that's why I thought my phone, I didn't think I'd touch my phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why and when? Well, let's do one at a time. Yeah, when? When, I mean, the drinking one, I was coming, I was coming back from the British Legion in Teddington, where I live, and it was a Sunday evening, 10.30, it wasn't my worst drink, it wasn't like I'd been out two days or, you know, I'm out, out, out of it. I was coming home 10.30 and I thought, I've had enough. 
just had enough. What I cannot keep on feeling like this. I was going to the pub, wasn't having fun, I was just sitting in my phone and just drinking, literally just drinking, like constantly. And, and literally when the pub shut, I would take a lorry load of drink home and sit indoors and drink it. You know, so I just had enough and, and I rung up AA Alcoholics Anonymous the next morning, a good friend of mine who'd been waiting, took me to a meeting. Waiting as in they knew. They knew, yeah, yeah. they know, they know, they see it. And then uh, the gambling one was, I stopped and then we got into lockdown, we saved up money and I have to save up. You know, I'm not a professional footballer anymore, you know, whatever I do, I have to save up, you know. So we saved up really hard to get a house for the kids, security for my wife and everything. And and I was I got I got addicted to the news. Like I got addicted to drink and drugs and gambling, I got addicted to the news. I was hanging on to everything Boris Johnson and the other people were saying, and at five o'clock I would sit there and I'd and honestly, in the end, my anxiety's got so bad, my head was like, that's it, I'm never working at Sky again. Football would just be on behind closed doors, every game would be on every night, and that would be the way it is. And my brain, being a compulsive gambler, was, all right, I've got our savings, let's race it up, let's win the house. And I lost a whole lot, and for two weeks I hadn't told my wife, and all I could see was the kids playing on the sofa when I was in, and I, I just wanted to kill myself. I just thought, my God, I cannot believe what I've done. I cannot believe, and then I just brought up the courage to tell her. How did you tell her? Just said, I need to tell you something. I've, and she thought I was joking. She thought I was joking, but yeah, it went ballistic. Yeah, it went ballistic. I'm right, I'm, I'm rightly so, do you know what I mean? It's, mm. But it stuck by me again. How did you recover from that? Uh, start again, start again. Mm. You know, it is, I mean, it's, it's just start again. It's you either go that way or you come up that way. And you know, I chose to go that way mm. and 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 that that was it. I mean, but I'm not I'm not lying. I had major thoughts about killing myself. Major thoughts, major. You know, just every time the kids laughing and joking and thinking, my God, you know, how can I keep on letting people down every time? Constantly letting people down, but not wanting to let people down. You know, it's a horrible. You know, you start thinking you're going mad. You think you're going insane, and that's not a nice feeling either. And how did you pull yourself out of that low feeling? Because uh, no one else can do yeah, it. Yeah, no, you can't. You just you got to keep on going. I mean, past experiences help. You know, I do mm. know that it can change. You know, at the start, you know, it's easy to say that now, and you pick yourself up. But at the start, when the, the tunnel used to be a lot darker, you know, I used to see a bit of a light at the end of it. It was like I don't see the end now. Through past experience, I know I've. I've come up again, if you know what I mean. I know that I've recovered and I know how you can do it, but I don't take it for granted. I don't go, you know, I know what it's like, so let's go out and have a drink and get drunk and mm. go mad and then after the summer's finished, let's start again. I, I, it doesn't work like that. No. But it's just past experiences that I've been lucky enough to to know that I can do it. Yeah. Is it true you lost seven million quid? You know, I, I would say more, but I really worried about the money. I, you know what? I lost time. Right. That's this horrible feeling. You lose time, like where you're somewhere, but you're not there. You know what I mean? I've been on holiday in Florida and, and not been there. You know, like everything's going on around. And I, I'm looking at my phone or I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the bar to open. Yeah. I never ever lived in the moment. I never lived in the day, and that—that's it. Take that's what addiction does. It takes you, takes you away from the moment. It, it, you know, and and that's what I lost time. You know, my boy said to me the other day. He said, "How comes Sounds like Sounds like his friend's got a big, lovely house and all that, and we haven't?" And I went, "Because I gambled. I gambled." How old is your son? He's seven. I said, and "I gambled. I lost it all. Oh. I would have had that. I could have had one of them ten times over. I could." Yeah. But, and it's like to say, don't you do that. Don't you do that. Yeah. You know, and, and they're the message you've got to give. There's no point beating around the bush and, and saying, oh, you know, we haven't because he, he earned more money than me or whatever. That, that's not the case. It's simple as that. I gambled. Mm. I gambled. And was it hard telling your kids about it? 
No, I just said it really quickly. Right. I, you know, 87, I just, I said, you know, I gambled. Mm. That's what happens. When you gamble, you lose everything. Yeah. You know, I could have, I could have, could have had that out. You know, I could have easy. Not mm. a problem at all, but that's what addiction does. That's what gambling does. Mm. You know, and if, if you lay the seed in his head, you know. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing. So, yeah, it's, thinking about it now, it's, it's, it is, it is hard, but, you surrender, you, the money's gone, that's the one thing you do think, you, you know, you go, you're not getting that back, forget about it, thank God you're alive. Yeah. Are you happy now? Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. I find, I find sometimes I'm not, sometimes I find it, sometimes I find it boring. You know, sometimes I can sit there, my life's always been up here or down there. It's like a been a roller coaster. So even though the buzz of being up here, there's always been that buzz of down here of getting back up to there, you know. And it's it's been like that. Sometimes I've always searched the whole of my life since I was probably 16 years of age, is to be there, and I'm virtually there. I'm like, you know, like that little in the sea. And sometimes I sit there and I go, boring, boring. And then my wife will go, yeah, but is it better than when you were... For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector, I'm a watch investor, and those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United, and he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk. And he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him. I've used him for many years. And recently we've done a partnership. Hence, I'm inviting you, if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation, to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K. And the website is broadwalkgroup.com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. Down here, and you're like, it's a hundred times better. Of course it is. Well, take that then. Mm. It might not be a hundred times better than up here, but it's a hundred times better than down there. So that, I find that sometimes odd. I'm not going to lie. I, yeah. I do, you know, because as I say, from 16 years of age, it's just been so natural to be up here or down here. You know, it's never Is been. Is that when you had your first bet when you were 16? Yeah, right? 16, yeah. yeah. First oh, bet. It's really early, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you say that, there's a lot, oh, there'll be yeah. a lot of kids now gambling, but yeah. a lot younger than that. Yeah. So... I'm a football fan. I wouldn't say a crazy mad football fan, but I'm a Liverpool fan, and you've caused me plenty of pain in my life. <laughs> Which, you know, thank you for all you've done for the sport and, um, you know, the rivalries you've created and that. I must admit, I was completely shocked when you left Arsenal. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. So can we talk about that? Why you yeah, left? Yeah, 100%. Um, addiction. Really? 100%. I got offered a four-year contract at Arsenal. I mean, people forget the, the year... The year, the year before I left, at the end, that season was probably my best. I was going to say you were it was at probably peak. my season. I mean, yeah. I was playing every game under Arsenal. Yeah, you know, I played my best football. Uh, I had a hernia, and literally the day I was fit to play, I played again. You know, so I got offered a four-year contract. I was offered five hundred and eighty grand a year at Arsenal, which is what's that twelve. I think it's about 12 a grand. Lot, sounds like a lot of money Nearly for back 12 then. 12 grand a week. Yeah. And Middlesbrough offered me £20,000 a week to play in the championship in 1997. And I couldn't get my head round the difference that is. It's, a, it's, a, it's like eight, eight grand a week difference. So eight, six, that's 32 grand a month. And I, as, a, as a gambler and with addictions, I just... As I said before, I can't rationale everything out. You know what I mean? I just and I, I just uh, had to go. Did could Arsenal not match that? Was there not a? Well, there wasn't even Dennis Burkamp that. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was extraordinary, yeah. extraordinary amount of money for the championship. I mean, 
yeah, extraordinary. Yeah, but it it wasn't the money. It was it was the ga- it was the gambling. Do you regret leaving Arsenal? No, not no, 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 no. I, I, when I got up there, I loved it up there. Like with the people, the people I met, the fans. Yeah, I, I, I loved it in the end. I, I went to the World Cup. Who, who knows? You know, a lot of players come in at Arsenal. Uh, maybe they might not have if I'd have stayed. But you know, good players come in. Who was, who was you know people like Perez? Who for me, I think he's better than me. So I don't, I don't question that. Yeah. I also want to talk about your football. Thank you for sharing openly about this, yeah, by no the way. It's, it's, I think that's important. I yeah. think, as I say, if someone's listening, they might go, you know what, that, that hits home to me and they might go and get mm. So if there is something that you would say about someone who's struggling with drink, drugs or gambling, what would it be? You're an ill person who needs to get well. You're not a bad person who's trying to get good every other day. And that's the thing that when you're drinking, gambling, taking drugs, you you beat yourself up so badly, your self-esteem goes, you hate yourself with a passion, and you come off the drink, the drugs or the gambling, and you have all them feelings and the hatred you have for yourself, and you don't want to feel like that. So what do you do? I know, I'd have a drink or a drug to take me out the way I feel. And it's just a merry-go-round, it's just like vicious. And it's it's understanding that you're not a bad person trying uh, trying to get good, you are an ill person who needs to get well. If you went to the doctors tomorrow and the doctor said you've got a nut allergy, you're not going to go out and buy a packet of nuts, are you? And that's the way I look at it now. Mm. So let's talk about football for a bit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Thank no you. One. How's football changed since you're a player? I, I, I don't know. I didn't know it did. I thought there was a goal up there and a goal up there. <laughs> well, there's VAR know, for a start. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, that's probably changed. Your, yeah, your I friend mean, the, game's, the game's probably got quicker. Yeah. Probably got quicker because they've probably got they've gone for fitter players now. Yeah. I think, you know, in when I when I played I thought it was you had to pass the ball first and then you, you had to be quick or you had to be an athlete and then you had to be quick. I think it's all the other way around now. Right. So it's I all think about you have speed. To be quick, strong, athletic, and then if you pass the ball you're like one of the best players in the world. Right. I, in my, you know, yeah. in my, in my opinion, yeah, you know, I think, you know, you know, you, you look at, you know, you look at people now and they're getting accolades, and people forget about players so quickly. Do you know what I mean? It's like people go, I mean, could you play now? How would you, how would you be now? And I always throw it back and go, how would the players plan now be able to play when I played? You know, it's a different game. You know, you get kicked from pillar to post. You know, you take a lot of bad knocks. You know, it is different. Yeah, I like I like watching it now. Don't get me wrong. I like I love it. I, you know, I watch it. I love it. it it's it's quicker. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing that they're, they're for seats. They're, you know, look look at Carl Walker. You know, he's like 32, 33 and he's still lightning quick. I mean, mm. that is, you know, you've got to give him credit. You know, t- for someone who who would work 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 to keep his pace. Do you know what I mean? You don't just get up in the morning and go because, you know, a lot of footballers over time, the one thing that goes is their pace. You know, that's the first thing, your legs go. You know, you get up one morning and you're like, whoa, where are they gone? Yeah. But he is like, for me, I just think he's an absolute credit. I like that he could keep that pace. Yeah. And, and people go, yeah, but, but, but there's been other people who are quicker than him, but they're not as quick as him now, his age. So yeah. that, that tells every football fan and everybody, he looks after himself and he works on, on, on certain attributes. Mm. You know, so for me, you know, that's where the game's changed. Yeah. And what about the commercial side of the game? Do you think that's changed in any way? In, in what way? Well, how much money is in the game? Uh, of course, all the big wealthy owners buying the clubs. Yeah. Uh, they've got to be earning. The, the clubs are making it to give them the money. Yeah. You know, this is everywhere. You know, I was in Florida in the summer, you know, and the football's on and the Premier League's everywhere. You know, wherever country you go to, the Premier League's on. It's the I think it's the the biggest marketing thing in the world. Yeah, product in the world. You know, is the Premier League. You know, the money. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think certain players get too much. I'm not going to lie. I think they do. But I think the top class player. I don't think they get. I don't think they do. I think. Right. I don't, I don't. Yeah. You know, people go on. Who should be paid more then, do you reckon? I don't know, you know, people like Kevin De Bruyne for me is like one of the best players in the world. Now, if he's on 350 grand a week, what is the problem? Yeah. You know, let's be honest, you know, Tom Cruise gets probably 40, 50 million pound a film. Has he ever won an Oscar? 
No one says anything. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets, how much does he get for a film? Yeah. You know, but no one ever says anything. It's like, oh, it's all right. They, they get that because they'll get it back in the cinemas. Well, so do the, foot, so do the clubs for mm. the players. You know, I have no problem. Good luck to them. You know, good yeah. luck. It's a short career. Mm. It is. I mean, you can earn 200 grand a week. That's 100 grand after you slash that 50 off. For tax. When, yeah, yeah. When they went... No, for drinking drugs. <laughs> what causes it? <laughs> what are you doing? Could be agents fees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, like, so you take that off and then you... That's one all, know, by the way. Yeah. yeah. And then you, 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 like, you, 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 you take that off, then you cut that in half. Still a lot of money, but you live that life. You live that life. You know, if you're getting 100 grand, 200 grand a week, you live a 200 grand a year, lot, a, a week life. Do you know what I mean? You're going to you know, gold Rolex or whatever, or a nice watch, or you're gonna have a lovely car that all costs money. At 30 years of age, you're 32, because the one thing this has done, the Premier League and how quick it is and everything, you're not really playing to your 36, 37. You know, your Milner's might and a couple of others, but you, you know, and Walker, but it'd be rare you're gonna get players playing at, like Ryan Giggs did and Terry Sheringham at 37, 38, 39, or even 40. Mm. So. Say 32, that's it. But at least you'd like to think you've got another 50 years to live. Yeah. It's a long time. And a short With career. With no trade. Yeah. No trade. You know, no trade. You've got no, you're not like you come out and you go, well, I, 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 I'm an electrician or I'm a builder. They're not. Mm. You know, I never, you, you know, my hands are, I'm not being horrible like fairy, I could do fairy liquid adverts. I could. I mean, I've never done, never done a day's work in my life. I'm very, very humble and very grateful. I'm, you know, I shake some of my mates' hands or other people, and their hands are like rocks, literally like, wow, mm. like the bottom of someone's foot. If you know what I mean, they're like <laughs> rock hard, and and that's where you know I'm I'm, I'm very grateful. You mm. know, I know people go, oh, you, well, how are you lost all that? It wasn't the money, you know. It was the addiction. It wasn't the money. I wasn't. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter how much like, people go. Oh, what about now? If you'd have earned two, three hundred grand a week. I'd have done it. Yeah. I'd have done it. You know, yeah. if I earn two hundred grand a week, I'm not having a ten grand I'm not having a ten grand double. You know what I mean? You're gonna be having fifty, sixty, eighty grand bets. Cause wow. what's what's the buzz if you're not gonna win what you earn or more, why would you even bet? Mm. And that that's the compulsive gambler, because there's people listening and go who have their five pound bets, first goal score, and they're not compulsive gamblers. Yeah. They're not compulsive gamblers. That's exactly, you know, my, my way of thinking would be, I'd have a bet, it would win, and then my first reaction would be like, should have put more on, or I should have put that team in with them. It's, you're never happy. Yeah. You're never, it's always, could have been more, could have been more. And I think compulsive gamblers understand that, but there's a lot of people out there, that's why I wouldn't go around saying, ban gambling, ban gambling. No, there's people that can gamble. Yeah. You know, they can. My problem is the bookmakers know the ones who can't gamble. And oh. that's, what, that's what it does. So are you saying they take advantage of those people? Yeah. 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 Can you talk about that? I mean, I'm, I don't I'm really, really know how I mean, that I, works. You know, I, I just know, I know what a compulsive gambler is. I know a compulsive gambler is someone who's going to bet on everything. Bang, bang, bang. You know, they want them people because they know they're just going to keep on betting and betting. They, they, they don't want a professional gambler ringing up. You know, they don't right. want a professional gambler. If you rung up now, I could bet you, well, I won't bet because I don't bet anymore. I can tell you now, you can open a betting account with anybody you want, right? And they will close you down if you win, if you, your first three bets win. If you bet three times, if you bet, even if you bet three horses that lost, but the prices were changed, like you put your, say you put your bet on and it, you bet a horse at four to one and it got beat at four to five and you put a horse on at two to one and it lost at four to seven and you put a horse on at evens and it got beat at one to three. All them three have lost. You're stopped. Why? Because they, they don't want you because you, you know, there's, you do know something because the prices have changed that much and they, 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 they will tell you. I mean, this is what I don't get. You know, I know people have had betting counts shut down because they've won. And they will tell you, I'm shutting you down because you've won. We don't want you. We don't, we don't want you. Mm. You know, I, I know. I can, a mate of mine is like, 
tells me these stories all the time. I never had them stories because I was a major compulsive gambler. They were they used to love me. You know, yeah. what, what do you want, Paul? Yeah. What do you want? You know, I was getting a, a company called Stan James in 1998, 99, 2000. I was getting £10,000 free bet. They've given me 10,000, like you'd ring up one day and they go, oh, you can have a 10,000 pound free bet. 10,000 pound free bet. Like you hear now people like 550 quid and I'm, that this was like over 20 years ago, they would say, it, yeah, and it weren't one or two, there was, a, there was a, there's enough, 10,000. So you have a 10,000 free bet, yeah? You're not gonna really go back, are you? And have, 500 pound double are you because that that the the more what's it called in your brain the the, the thing that gives you the, the morphine mor, no, uh, dopamine. dopamine yeah so that dopamine when it's 10 grand it gives you a lot more when it's 500 it's like you know you've had a 10 grand bet you've had a 10 grand free bet so that kicks in wow. you know so they know what they're doing Shit, yeah Wow, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so, why you do these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, to learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, something that's always seemed, I'm going to use the word paradox, but I love your thoughts. All the gambling ads are all over the football. What do you think about that position? You know what? I think, you know, an evening game, night game, live on telly, half time comes, I know there's going to be an advert. It's, a, it's a, irrelevant to what I'm watching, you know, so I understand that it's, I'm watching it and it, it sort of, it, it is irrelevant to what I'm watching. So I have a choice. I turn the telly over or I go out the room and get something. I know that's coming on. What I don't get is when I'm driving at eight o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning somewhere and they're putting prices up and talking about prices for a game at 7.45 that evening. Now that is major triggers to a compulsive gambler that people don't understand. It's like, you're in the car, so you're on your own anyway, you know? So, and that easy trigger of like, Man United evens. Oh, I could get everything back here. That's how you could think, that's it. And and these, that's, that's a casino in your pocket. So it's not like you don't even have to do anything. You can be stuck in traffic or pull over and go, bang, 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 and put that bet on and it's done and you're off again, you're off. That's where these adverts at certain times are dangerous. They mm. are so, so dangerous. I mean, even a radio station that I listen to that plays old music because I'm getting old and they have gambling adverts like bingo and things like that, trying to get the older, older generation and it's, it's not good. Do you think that should be more tightly regulated then? I think so. Yeah. I think you have a joy, you know, have a joy. If you want to go and have one, go out and, and find it, you know, to have it rammed down your throat. Yeah. You know, I think, I might be wrong here, I might be wrong, I might not. I think betting companies target the compulsive gambler and want the compulsive gambler. I think it's changing now. You know, the stories I hear from people, it is, it is, it's, it's, it is changing, I, yeah. I give them that. But there's still stories you hear that are disturbing. But drinking companies don't want alcoholics. They don't target alcoholics. Why not? Well, they, what do they want an alcoholic for? They want people to go out and enjoy themselves. They want the thing to be, you know, fun. Right. You know, the slogan on the betting one is like, stop when the fun stops. If you're a compulsive gambler, you just gamble. It's, no, it's not fun. You know, I put a bet on when I was gambling, put a bet on and all dancing around and all that. It's just, it's, you know. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, drinking companies don't target alcoholics. They don't want alcoholics. You know, they'd rather they'd never be an alcoholic. But that's not the same with betting companies. What, wow. what I've seen on my documentary that I've done when someone comes and see me, you know, they have a thing. You know, they send free bets through to people that, you know, that have been stopped a while. Yeah. Yeah. Some, don't get me wrong, some you hear stories and people have said to me, and then you think fair play to that betting company, you know, that they're, they're tightening and that's good. Yeah. But there's other stories you hear that, you know, that are not good. Mm. Here's an interesting paradox. 
For 10 million, would you do a gambling advert? Uh, no. 100 no. million? No. 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 For what reason? Uh, I just, it's, it's, it just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. It's not right. It's, you know, you, 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 you know it's not right and you know mm. there's Ill, Ill people out there. So why, why would I make money out of ill people? Yeah. For me, no. No. Mm. You know, fair play to Peter Shilton, he's, he's turned down a big thing, Peter Shilton, with like when the World Cup was on with he, Maradona. What did he turn down? I, a lot of money. For what? To do an advert with Maradona. Oh, wow. And Peter Shilton, I yeah. hope he don't mind me talking out a line, but Peter Shilton's not a multi-millionaire. Yeah. You know, that would have been... So that would have been life-changing yeah, money for but him. He, he has that principle and I respect him so much. Yeah. One, he doesn't like... He didn't like Maradona. Yeah. You know, God bless him, Maradona. But but he's, he's a compulsive gambler as well. So, right. you know, yeah. you know for, for things like that, I have respect for. Yeah. You know, you see David Beckham get 150 million for doing the guitar thing and you're like, it is like me really going on a betting company next week and it literally and going, have a bet, everybody. It's great. It's fun. You know, it won't hurt you. Mm. And it won't hurt. A lot of people, yeah. it won't, believe me, but it will hurt enough. Yeah. And when when committing suicide is the highest in compulsive gambling. I didn't know that. Anything. Yeah. 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 More than one person a day. Do you think yourself, maybe people like Gaza, maybe got enough help inside football, maybe from the FA, etc.? Uh, I, I don't really, what's the name? I, I, I just think... They didn't know. Yeah. I think when people don't know, it's like it's like watching who wants to be a millionaire. If, if you know the answer, it's it's easy, isn't it? The question. It's so easy. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't know the answer, it's mind blowing. Yeah. And, and people didn't know. They didn't know. Yeah. You know, I played with a player that I personally think, in this day and age, if he played football, would be one of the best players in the world. In Stan Collymore, he was six foot two. He was big. He was strong. He was quick. He could score. He hit it with both feet. Two footed. He had everything, but he had dep he struggled with depression. Mm. Now, when we were playing and he had depression, people just thought he was one ungrateful person because oh. he earns a lorry load of money. He's playing the best sport in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. And he could be so unhappy and do the things he was doing. When he weren't, he was ill. He, he, he struggled with depression. Now, in this day and age, we, we understand about mental health now. You know, it's a thing that you can come out and talk. And if he played today, with what he had, he would be one of the best players in the world, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, it is really. It mm. is sad. I, I don't know how he feels. I've never talked to him about it. But from what I played with him and, and, and I knew what he was like. And he, he, today, it would not have been a problem. It would not have been a problem. People now, for me, I think are so understandable today. Yeah. You get the odd person. You know, even I've done a talk the other week and it's like, oh, not really, it's self-inflicted. Not really. Why, why, why would I want to hurt myself that badly on yeah. purpose? You know, it's in, so, you know, it, it has changed for the good. Yeah, that's good. How did you find the transition from finishing football and then all of a sudden, shit? Yeah. Uh, or did you plan it? Who, me? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't plan a day. Uh, no, I... I got lucky. You got to get lucky. You got to be lucky to be a footballer. You got to be lucky to do what I, I got into. I, uh, I I was manager at Walsall. I got the manager's job. I always wanted to be a manager from the age of about twenty eight. I always wanted to be a football manager, and I got given an unbelievable opportunity at Walsall. Great little club, well run. You know, they have a solid hardcore four and a half thousand where they could be bottom of the league or top of the league. It doesn't really change a lot. They're, they're, they're loyal. And I worked under a lot of top managers and I failed miserably. That's my only regret in football. I failed so miserably. I was drinking and gambling like a maniac and I, I didn't give it what I should have given it. Because th there's not enough hours in the day to be a football manager. That honestly, That it must is, be one of the hardest it's, jobs. It's 25 hours a day. Right. There's only 24 in a day, but it's 25. It, it, there's not enough hours. You're looking after everybody. You're powerless over everybody. You know... You, you you got to rely on everybody around you, and it's hard. And I, and I, and I struggled, and I that was my regret. I got the sack, and rightly so in the end. And I always look back and thought I, I could have been a good manager. I I, I know my football, you know. I mm. I could sit around a table, and, you know, 
you know, I was on Super Sunday last week and, you know, I'm there with Roy Keane and Gary Neville and, and Jimmy Floyd with Asselbrad. I'm not embarrassed. You know, I, I will talk my mind, you know, I have yeah. no doubt. I would stand there and, and go toe-to-toe on my opinions on football. But if you got me on Question Time tomorrow and you said you need to talk about politicians and politics, I wouldn't even turn up. I couldn't even turn up. I would yeah. not have a clue. You know, my wife's dad, God bless him, passed away not long ago. I found it hard. I didn't know what to do. I've never been in that position before. Like, thank God no one's died close to me. So I didn't know, you know, talk about addictions, talk about football, give you my experiences, strength and hope. But I, I didn't know what to say to my wife. Because I've never, I've never been in that position. I just, it was, it was horrible. It was so, so hard. And that was, that was another thing, thing that, that was hard, that not knowing what to do, because I've never been in that situation before. Mm. And then, of course, now you're on Sky and you've got a great career there. I've been there. I've been so there. how did that transition yeah, I got, work? Yeah, I got a phone call one day, would you come and do a soccer special? Went on and I like a laugh. You know, I'm one of them people. <laughs> I, you know, I do. I like a laugh. I don't take myself seriously. Yeah. You know, I give an opinion. And I went on, I'm dyslexic, so I was messing up all the names. <laughs> you know, it took me, you know, it, it, it was hard. And I, I just said to, to the bloke who was in charge at the time, Condo, I said to him, should I go on a journalist course or like, because I was, I was getting like, you know, it's not nice. You know, you're dyslexic and you're on the telly, you're messing up names and you're like nearly 40 years of age. And... He said, no, just be yourself. And that was the best thing that ever, best bit of advice I was ever given in TV wow. was just be yourself. Yeah. And, 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 and I've been on ever since. I mean, I am, as I said, I've had three unbelievable jobs, you know, playing football. Then I was a manager, which that did foul. And I, I've been on Sky since for like, I think it's about 17 years now, 16 yeah. years, which has just flown by. And, and you know when it's enjoyable because it flies by. Yeah. You know, I look forward, I love Saturdays. I just, I, I love football. You know what, I look back on my career now from the age of about eight, nine, ten. I was addicted to football, mm. really addicted to football. And I think, you know, when that stopped, my drinking did start getting worse really bad. You know, yeah. it was every day my drinking in the end. Mm. So we've got seven minutes. I know you have to be gone on the hour. Yeah, you're right. So we'll do... No, quick... I don't. I'm not on the hour. Oh, okay. No, you're but good. If, if yeah. you want to get rid of me. Oh, no, no, I don't want to get rid of you. We've got an hour and three minutes. Oh, okay. But you no. saying about how time flies when you're enjoying yourself, yeah. well, this is how I feel about this. So. Oh, okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Um, so we've got... We do quick fire rounds okay, on this well, show. Um, but if you've got time, Boris relax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Let's do the what do you think about round. Oh. Um, so we interviewed Gazza recently. Was, oh, right. That's actually... Oh, really? Well. Yeah, yeah that, um, that went down really well. He was really honest, I would say. Oh, no, he's good uh, You must have some crazy stories with Gazza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything you can share? <laughs> no, yeah, no. I, let him tell him. I don't... Yeah, let him tell him. Yeah. I, what I, about I, your experience and Gazza. memories yeah, with Gazza? I, I mean, yeah. The best English player I ever played with by a million miles. And wow. I haven't seen anybody better yet in English. A lot of people have said that, haven't they, Harry? A lot. Uh, yeah, I, he was extraordinary. He what, was, was, what was great about him? Everything. He had tight control. He was quick. He was strong. He could see a pass. He was so comfortable. Better than John Barnes? You know what? Cause I'm a Liverpool fan, so I'm no, biased. You no, know, you, know, yeah, you know what? I, I, think, I, I, I think John gets a short straw because... I, I, I'm a big fan of John Barnes. I, I, you know, John Barnes is one of the best players I ever played with. He, he would get in my one to eleven. You know, people go, "Oh, when he was at England, he didn't really perform." You know, I, I, I was there when John Barnes played for England. Everybody just doubled up on John Barnes. Yeah. Every country you played against just tried to stop John Barnes playing. That's how good he was. Right. Yeah. So you know, people, when you're watching on telly and it's a little telly or some games are not even live, it was it was stop John Barnes. You yeah, know, he was at Liverpool and Watford. Yeah, he, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. And, and I watched another lad the other week. I watched it on Amazon. It was the Wayne Rooney documentary? You forget how good he was. Yeah, I mean, scarily good. You know, I couldn't believe. You know, when I finished watching it with my boy, I was like, I, you know, I, I, I give him a bit of this, this justice really because I thought I didn't realise you were that good. 
Like, it was that good. I was and like, at 16, was he blown, was that yeah, good. I was blown yeah. away, blown away. Like, you sort of take things for granted. Everybody takes things for granted, you know. And it's only when you get older you sort of, you, you understand a little bit more. But when I, I'm sort of, then at 16, I'm sort of younger again still then, and you just take it for granted. But now you're looking 16 years of age, like Michael Owen. I was at the World Cup when Michael Owen got his goal against Argentina. I mean, he's 17 is, years of age. Is he I mean, another player that's got a bit of an unfair... Is he better than what a lot of people think? Uh, different kind of player. Different kind of player. Unbelievable finisher. You know, so you'd have to put him up there because, you know, the hardest thing in the world is to score goals. Mm. You know, that's why they get the top dollar. It's yeah. so hard. And he made that look so easy. But he didn't play for longevity, did he? No. You know what I mean? It was because of his hamstrings, it was so short. I remember talking to him when we was on our zeros. And I was like, my God, I can't like watching you. I could, couldn't even wildest dreams think of what you were doing at 17 like mm. then. And he went, yeah, but I couldn't ever do what you were doing at 27, 28. Right. So, you know, but yeah, another one I don't think gets the credit. Probably because mm. he went to Man United. <laughs> yeah. As sorry, a Liverpool Michael. fan, I feel Yeah, that. sorry, mate. So do you think that was a bad career move then? I, 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 don't, I don't play for the other team. No. I don't, sorry. I don't play for Tottenham. I don't play for Southampton because of Portsmouth. I wouldn't play for Birmingham because of Villa. And I, I, I wouldn't play for, for probably Sunderland with, with Middlesbrough. It's just out of respect, I think. You know, at the end of the day, there's only, only the fans make you famous. Yeah. They do. If it's not for the fans coming up to talking to you, you're just the same person, you know. Yeah. People make you famous. And I, I don't think you should, you know, mm. disrespect that. Mm. Best player you ever played with? Dennis Bergkamp, yeah, by a million miles. I, I, I honestly didn't think a professional footballer could be that good. He had eyes in the back of his head, and I, and I mean, you know, there's a saying on the pitch, you see pictures, you know, certain people, I, I could see pictures, I see things on a pitch quicker than a lot of other people. That was my game, but not like him. Not like him, it was, it was unbelievable. And he had a streak in him as well. Yeah. He had that hardness as well, where he would, if someone hurt him, he wouldn't mind leaving his foot in. Yeah, I, I could. Yeah. Yeah, by, yeah, by far the best player I've ever played with. And best player you ever played against? Paolo Maldini. I played against Paolo Maldini. And as I said, I used to see pictures. You know, I could, you know, if the ball come now, I'd know someone was there and I could flick it around the corner. I would like scan the pitch before it happens. But everything I did, he was a second in front of me, and I never had that before. I got marked out of the game before, a lot of times, a lot of times. But I'd always be able to do something in a game. Yeah. You know, it might be one thing, and the other ten were shocking. Mm. But I would, but in, against him, I, everything I did, he was like that next step, and and that's when with football, there's there, and then there's there. Right. You know, when you talk about there's certain players on this planet are like are just there. Yeah. Yeah. Harry and I, Harry's a Man U fan, I'm a Liverpool fan, and we often have discussions. And we were talking about the twilight of Cristiano Ronaldo's career. What do you think about the end of his career and how it's going? You know what? That's probably the hardest part of my job last season, is being critical of one of the greatest players ever to play football. But you have to call it how you see it. You know, it's no point. I have to be honest, I see it where... I just, the fit wasn't right for me with Man United. I didn't think Man United were going to get in the top four with Ronaldo in the team. You know, Ronaldo went and put up figures which were unbelievable, you know, scored 20 goals or something. But they didn't get in the top four, and this is a team. And people will go, yeah, but he done his job scoring his goals, and the other t the team didn't, but you all move, you know. If you're not closing up, up front, you're going to get punished at the end before long, because teams will come through you. You know, you're seeing that Liverpool at the moment, no Mane. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's a bit different now, mm. isn't it? You know, people are starting to run at Van Dyke. You know, people are starting to get at the midfield. You know, people don't understand the amount of hard work that Mane put in no. when he played for Liverpool. He stopped the service getting into the midfield where that got stopped to get into the forwards. And, you know, people are going, oh, he's... You know, Van Dyke's getting run at now. He's not a bad player. He's just... It's, it's a different game now. He wasn't getting run at like that. And people start watching the telly and they're like, oh, he's just run at him. I'm going to run it in now. You know, how many times last, in the last couple of years you've just seen people just kick the ball away when they get one-on-one -on -one with Van Dyke? It's like, I can't get past him. And it's all to do with up front. Mm. You know, and 
I thought Ronaldo was the perfect fit for Chelsea. I thought Chelsea should have gone and bought Ronaldo this season. I, you know, for, for what I said about him last season not being a fit for Man United, he was the perfect fit for Chelsea. Right. You know, Man United play it on the halfway line, like counter-attacking team, so you've got to run from the halfway line to get a goal or, you know, got to make a run. Chelsea, I'm a Chelsea fan, you go to Stamford Bridge, you kick off, the other team sit 10 behind the ball. They dominate games in the other half. They've got two of the best wing-backs in, in, in the world of football, They're definitely in the top five or six, and they would just put balls in the box. Mm. And the one thing you can say about Ronaldo, he's one of the greatest finishers of all time. You don't yeah. get 700-odd goals if you're not a good finisher. So that was my hardest part of my job that I've had is to have to criticise a player who's so, 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 so great, and that was hard. That was going to be one of my questions, actually, because, for example, I watched... Gerard be interviewed and he's clearly pissed off with the commentators as critics um, and you must have played with some players who you're now criticising and is there a moral dilemma going on in there? You know what I'm not now I mean my, I finished a long time or so, oh. so so that sort of path but I don't I don't I don't have friends in, like I don't know any of the footballers no. if I'm being honest I think if you keep honest, you're honest. Yeah. I think, and players should understand that. You know, if a player goes and scores a hat trick one week, like Tony did last week, and we're on Sky tomorrow, and and I'll be the plaudits will be unbelievable. Mm. You know, Ivan Tony, unbelievable, brilliant, what a hat trick, great. In two weeks' time, if he doesn't produce, you know, you have to say that yeah. ain't good enough. You know, you can't be up here one week and then down here. You know, or vice versa, where you can't keep on having a go at someone, and, you, and then. All of a sudden, they get a hat trick, and you go, "Should have got four. Yeah. I mean, I don't like that kind of stuff. I, yeah. I think if you're honest, I've had, I've had players. Of course, you have players who blank you, who, who get the um, they do. Right. They, they listen. Yeah. You know, players have feelings, you know. Yeah. With the Maguire one, what three years ago when I said what would happen, and it probably has come come true. What happened? You know, it's been tweeted enough times. I don't want to be right. But when I said it on the telly, I got home and I was like... What was it you said? I just said, he ain't going to suit Man United. They play on the halfway line. There's too much brass in the back. He ain't the quickest. And he'll get found out. And it, it was an £80 million player. Now, people retweeted that, showed the thing, and it's like gone viral loads of times. I'm not happy with that. I'd rather be wrong. I would. I don't get nothing for being right. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a wrong, I'm wrong a lot of times. But when I got home that night, and I believe what I said in certain things, but other things I got carried away, I rang up Brendan Rogers and said, could you get me Harry Maguire? Can I have Harry Maguire's number? And I rung Harry Maguire up. And I said, I, I, you know, I don't agree with the fee, and I, and, and I do agree with some of the things that I believe what I said. But there was other things I didn't, and I just want to apologise. I, I went over the top. And How did he respond to that? Shocked. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I rung up and you know put myself out there, but you know that's what I wanted to do. I, I was wrong. You know, I, there was many years ago Oliver Holt, who's an unbelievable writer. You know, in the papers, we was on Sky and Jeff said Oliver Holt said this, and I went, I went off on one, and like, and I got home and I thought, that's his opinion. It's not mine. It's his opinion. And I, and I got hold of him and rung him up and said, sorry, you know, mm. I shouldn't have done that. It's your opinion. Everybody has an opinion. Might not be right, but you know why should I be any different? Yeah. So I, that that's the good things about the job. When I'm wrong, I will say I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. About mm. admitting I'm wrong. There's a big thing about opinion that we talked about. The first thing we talked about is Matt Letizia. Obviously, you're really good friends with him, and his exit from Sky. What's your opinion on that? Uh, we're we're close, me and Matt. Yeah. We're close. My thing I said to Matt, and I think this is a big compliment, but sometimes not, is sometimes it's not always clever to be clever. Does that make sense? Can you explain? If you have certain beliefs, you don't have to share them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, like I was just on the radio coming in now, and a good friend of mine, a friend of mine who I really like, who's a top bloke, Trevor Sinclair, done something yesterday. He believes that, but he probably shouldn't have said it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And and I think that was, you know, I think Tiz got, you know, I don't know if Tiz said, but he had a couple of warnings, you know. So if you have a couple of warnings, you you, you pull it in, mm. you know. And 
that's what sometimes it helps me not being bright. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I'm clever in other ways, but not clever in certain other ways. And uh, you know, I, I love Tiz. Tiz is one of the best English football players in the world. When you talk about there's a gift, that, that's a gift. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So for me, but I don't get involved. I didn't get involved in the COVID stuff. I, I just, you know what I mean? It's just something that I just didn't get involved in. I just, uh, the conversations. Uh, in that way, I'm not that bright. Mm. I'm not that bright about certain things. So I don't say anything. Mm. Mm. What's the biggest risk you've ever taken? Oh, no. You know what? Uh, biggest risk I've ever taken. That's a good question, isn't it? It used to be getting on a plane. You know, I, I, I went, I used to be a really good flyer and then I become really bad. But I'm, I'm a bit all right now. I can let go now. Uh, what, you were scared of flying? Is yeah, I mean, I was great. I'd been on Concord loads of times. You know, I was fortunate, you know, when I was a gambler, you know, I'd go over and fly over and watch New York Jets play and have a big bet. and. If it won, it cost me nothing. If it didn't, it was an expensive trip. But, you know, it only took three hours to get there. So it weren't too shabby. Uh, but, I don't know, the scariest thing I've done. Thing is, you don't, when, when you're an addict, you know, you know, I fell asleep on a motorway once. And I was in the, you know, I, I, was, I, I, I was under the influence. I mean, that that's, when I look back now, I, I'm like so, ashamed of that like i think oh my god how bad was that that was so so bad uh yeah but when you're in addictions that you don't you don't get you don't get scared you get you get more, i get more scared now than what i did when i was drinking and gambling mm. and taking drugs because you have feelings now i have feelings you know i could watch a film and cry before i could watch the champ and not even move mm. you know what i mean so I think that that's a bit of a hard one. I hope I, that's probably one of the regret ones I just said. But yeah, I don't really scared wise. I am. I'm quite scared of a lot of things. You know, I don't watch scary films. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no. I, yeah, I, I just don't see. You know, it's just it's just me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm quite a scared person. Full stop. If I'm being honest, mm. you know. Yeah. What do you see as your biggest success? Being me, being able to live with me, accepting me. Yeah, I would say that's the most, because for years and years I've thought that, you know, no, this is not you, you're, you're someone different and tried and tried, you know, right, I'm not drinking today, do not drink today. You know, wait till seven o'clock when the kids are asleep and then have a drink. And then you get to seven and you, you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and there's like three or four bottles of wine and you're like, where the fuck did that come from? You know, so being being me, living with me, and accepting me, because I used to fight me, and that's that's a bad feeling to have, where you're fighting yourself. Mm. That you, I always wanted to be someone else. I always wanted to be someone else. Everywhere I went, everybody I met, I always come away with, I wish I was that person. I wish I was that person. That's not a nice feeling. Wow, that's not a nice feeling. Always now, now I'm, I'm, a, I'm better now. I do get days when I do not like poor, and I, you know, you know, sometimes it go, comes overwhelming again. And I think I wish I was him. I wish I was him. But more often than not, now ninety nine percent of the time, I'm happy in my own skin. It used to be, used to be scratchy. It used to I'd be so uncomfortable. It was like it was my skin, but it weren't me and my body. If that made sense. Mm. But now, now I, I, I like Paul. I think that's a perfect way to finish. Oh. Other than to say, where can we follow you and your journey and your career? Obviously, everyone knows you're uh, Sky Sports, but is there anything that you do, you promote, or you want people I, to I, check yeah, out? I, I, I do. I've, I've just got involved with a, a, a platform called Recovolution, which I really believe in. It's like it's recovery on, on a platform and it's for, for recovering addicts, you know, and and you can, it's there 24 seven, it's well-being, you know, cooking, keeping fit, breathing, and connecting with anybody. Because, you know, you can, get, you can wake up at two o'clock in the morning full of anxiety, full of panic attack, you know, and it's hard to ring up what we call a sponsor, where 
you, someone you can like you talk to. If they're in bed at two o'clock, that's hard. So you could go on to Recovolution. You can might connect with someone in LA mm. or New York or India or New Zealand or Australia. There's always someone available, and and that is so important. And that's why you know I got involved. It was called Recovolution. And you just Google you it Google and you it, find go it. on it, yeah. and then get go on and, and there's so much there's so much stuff on there. You know, yeah. so much for the recovering addict because it's a good life. You know, when you first stop and you stop drinking or taking drugs or gambling, the first thing that comes in your head is I'm going to be boring as fuck. I'm going to be so boring. What, where's the fun? Mm. But my life's so much better today than what it used to be. Yeah. When I look back now, it, it, the fun had long gone. The fun had gone at I would say twenty something, you wow. know, and I carried on till fifty. Yeah. So in eight hundred and fifty episodes that we've done, I've never sat and asked everyone listening and watching to share. I don't know why. I would like to ask everyone listening and watching to share this because I think how open you've been is um, very inspiring, and I've had a lot. A lot of fun here. I don't know what time it is, which always tells me it's a good yeah, day. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, that's a, no, it is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you, Paul. Really Pleasure. appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.